the vast majority of those that are not followers of Jesus Christ, they are just like Paul was before he was saved. They have a confidence in the flesh. Preaching the old-time gospel. With a fresh anointing to to a new generation, this is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. In a world that promotes self-esteem, the self-made man, it's all about you, wouldn't it make sense to build yourself up? But as we'll learn today from Brian Tyndall, the Apostle Paul learned that being the best wasn't what life was all about. Our best does not measure up to God's righteous requirement. But what does? Let's find out as we open our Bibles and turn to the New Testament book of Philippians, chapter 3, for a message entitled, A Right Perspective. Here's Brian. Today we're going to be reading the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. And the scripture says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the circumcision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ." Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are above. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Today, as we look at this passage of Scripture out of Philippians chapter 3, we're going to see that Paul talks about his life before he met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. He talks about his life before he was saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And then he tells us about his life after being saved. He tells us about what his life was like after he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And what I discovered as I read this passage of Scripture, when Paul talks about his former life, when Paul talks about 
what his life was like and how he thought uh, before he was saved. Uh, I discovered that the way he thought as a non-believer, as a non-Christian, is the very same way that the vast majority of non-Christians think today. I have been in full-time ministry since I was 19 years old. I was saved when I was 17. I began to preach the gospel uh, about six months later when I was 18 years old. I went on staff at a church when I was 19, and I have been in the ministry for a long time, and I've pastored churches, and I've been a missionary uh, on the mission field in Romania, and I've also done full-time evangelism where I have traveled across the United States, but also to over 40 countries around the world that God has allowed me to go. And so I have had a lot of opportunities to talk with people. I've had a lot of opportunities to interact with people, both inside the church and outside the church. And one of the things I've discovered is that the majority of people that are not saved, the majority of people that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, they have roughly the same perspective on life. And it's the perspective that we see Paul communicating here in this passage of Scripture when he tells us the way he was thinking before he was saved. And what Paul basically says uh, here in this passage of Scripture, he says, uh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he hath whereof that he might trust in the flesh, he said, I had more reason to be confident in the flesh. And so what Paul was saying was this, before I met Jesus Christ, before I was saved, I had a lot of confidence in the flesh. I was confident in myself. I was confident in my religion. I was confident in my traditions. I was confident in the way that I had lived this life in the flesh. If you would have gone up to Paul before he met Jesus Christ and before he was saved, and you would have said, Paul, do you think you are a good person? He would not have hesitated. He would have said, certainly I'm a good person. I mean, he would have probably said, you know, I'm not perfect. I've not lived perfectly. But when you look around at how other people are, he says it right here in this passage of scripture. If other people think they can boast in the flesh, if other people think that they can boast about about how they've lived and what they've done. Paul said, I could boast more about how I've lived in the flesh, how I have been a better person than the majority of the people that you see walking around. And you know, that's exactly what I have discovered is that through these years of ministry, traveling all around the world and dealing with people from different ethnic backgrounds, dealing with people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, dealing with people from different parts of the world, dealing with people from different genders, different ages, different educational backgrounds, I've discovered that the vast majority of unbelievers, the vast majority of those that are not followers of Jesus Christ, they are just like Paul was before he was saved. They have a confidence in the flesh. Even though they don't know Jesus Christ, even though they've never been saved, they have a confidence in the flesh, just like the Apostle Paul had. Many people that I've talked to, and I would say, do you think that you are a good person? And I'm telling you, I've probably asked that question to literally thousands of people around the world uh, over the years of ministry that I've had. 
And very, very few people that I've asked that question have responded to me in the negative. Very few people have said, Brian, no, I'm, I'm not a good person. I'm not saved. Uh, I, I need Christ. I need to be forgiven. I need salvation. The vast majority of people that I've met that are lost, that are spiritually lost and outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, they were just like the apostle Paul was in this passage of scripture. They thought just like he thought before he was saved. And that is just like he had confidence in the flesh. They had confidence in the flesh. They would say, yes, I'm a good person. I've done more good than I've done bad. And basically what they would say is this. Uh, if there is a God, and many times they didn't believe in God or they, they were not sure if there was a God. But basically what those people would say is this. If there is a God then I am confident that when I stand before him in judgment and he looks at the totality of my life, at the totality of the things that I've done while I was on this earth, I am convinced that if there is a God and there is an eternal life, that I'll get to go to heaven because I have done more good than I've done bad. And sometimes people would go on to say, you know, I know that I've sinned. I know I've done some things wrong. I know I'm not perfect. But I am basically a good person. And that's exactly the way Paul thought before he was saved. Uh, but the truth of the matter is this. What Paul goes on to say in this passage of Scripture is that the way he thought before he was saved, the way he thought before he received Jesus Christ as his Savior was wrong. Because even though he had confidence in the flesh, his confidence was misplaced. His confidence was in something that was not right. He was trusting in something that could not deliver. He was trusting in something that could not save him. He was, tr he had a false confidence in his flesh. He had a false confidence in himself. And that's exactly what the devil does. The devil comes to us. And the devil does not want us to be saved. The devil does not want us to humble ourselves and cry out to God for salvation. He does not want us to see ourselves in the sinful condition that we're in. He does not want us to see ourselves uh, in a place of helplessness. He does not want us to see ourselves in need of a Savior. And so the devil comes to us, and he whispers to us in our ear. He whispers to us in our conscience. And what he tells us is, you're basically a good person. Uh, you, you're a good guy. You're a good woman. You're a good person. And uh, And if there is a God, uh, he's going to see that you've basically lived a good life, that you've basically uh, been an honest person, that you've basically tried to help other people, that you've uh, paid your taxes, that you've been patriotic, uh, that, that while you have made some mistakes, that most of the time you've done the right thing and you've treated people in the right way. You see, the devil does not want us to see ourselves the way we really are. He wants to keep us blinded. He wants to keep us bound. He wants to keep us uh, with this false belief, with this false assurance that we're really better than what we are. But you see, the truth of the matter is this. Although we have confidence in the flesh before we're saved, although we really believe that we're good people and that we really don't need anybody or anything, that we're fine just like we are, the reality could not be further from that. 
the reality that we see in the Word of God is that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the reality that we see in the Word of God is this, that on that judgment day, that there's not going to be a scale there that has our good and our bad, and that if our good outweighs our bad, that we're going to receive eternal life or that we're going to get to go to heaven because we've done more good than we've done bad. That's not the way the thing works. That's not the way God is going to judge us. You see, that's the system that the world has put forward. That is the theology of the lost person, that if there is a God, that one day we're going to stand before him and there's going to be some kind of divine scale and that the good is going to be placed on one side and my bad is going to be placed on the other. And the person that's living with confidence in the flesh says, I've done more good than bad. So I'm not worried about how things are going to work out if there is a God and if there there is an eternity. But you see, the reality is this. The reality is there is a God. The reality is there is going to be a judgment. The reality is that we are going to spend eternity either in heaven and hell. But here's another reality. God is not going to have a scale there where he's balancing our good on one side and our bad on the other. Because the biblical reality is this, that the best thing that we have to offer, the best thing that we've ever done, the best uh, things that we have ever accomplished in this life, the Bible says that the very best that we have to offer is like filthy rags before God. You see, we are completely and totally and utterly sinful. We are separated from God. We could not be more wicked. We, we are sinful in every way. You know, the Bible talks about the Ten Commandments. If we were to just judge our lives just by those simple Ten Commandments, there is not a single person on the face of this earth that is completely kept all of those commandments. There's not even a person on this earth that's kept one of those commandments. Every person on this earth, every person that has ever lived, every person that is living, every person that ever will live has broken every one of those commandments. Jesus Christ is the only person that's ever lived on this earth in obedience to the word of God, in obedience to the will of God, in obedience to the commands of God. And you see, when we stand before the Lord on judgment day, he's not going to see that we've been a good person. He's not going to see that we've basically lived righteously and that we've basically done the right thing. He's going to see based on his word, based on the holiness of Jesus Christ, when he measures us against the standard of God's word, when he measures us against uh, the standard of Jesus Christ, we are going to come up totally short. We're going to be wanting because compared to Christ and compared to his perfect word, we have failed completely and utterly. And so we don't need to be like Paul was before he got saved. We don't need to be trusting in the flesh because what Paul goes on to say is this, if there's anybody that has ever lived that can have confidence in the flesh, it's me. If there's anybody, Paul says, that's lived perfectly, that's lived uh, in obedience to the law, that's lived uh, a good life, Paul says, it's me. And But he goes on to say, but I haven't done it. 
I haven't done it. And, and what we see in this passage of Scripture, and I love this, when we begin reading these verses, Paul's talking about the way he thought and, and what his attitude was before he was saved. And then he goes on to describe uh, what he gained once he received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And so if you're listening to this message today and you think to yourself, uh, well, the way Paul was thinking before he was saved is kind of the way I think today. I mean, Paul's theology, Paul's doctrine, Paul's uh, attitude toward life uh, before he was saved, when he had confidence in the flesh, when he had confidence in his own ability and, and in his own uh, lifestyle and in, in the way that he had lived and the things that he had done, that's basically where I am today. I basically have confidence that I'm a good person. I basically have confidence that I don't need Christ, that I don't need salvation, that I don't need forgiveness, that I don't need the church, that I don't need the word of God, that I'm self-sufficient within myself. Basically, like Paul uh, had confidence in the flesh, I have confidence in the flesh today that I'm basically a good person. Then my friend, this message is for you. Because just like the apostle Paul came to understand that while he had confidence in the flesh, it was misplaced. You need to understand today. We all need to understand today that if we are putting our confidence in the flesh, that if we are putting our confidence in our religion, that if we are putting our confidence in our good works and something that we're doing here on this earth, if we're putting our confidence in ourself and what we have done and what we have accomplished, then our confidence is in the wrong thing. What is it that Paul gained when he met Jesus Christ on that Damascus road and put his faith in Christ and confessed and repented of his sin and was born again into the family of God? What did the apostle Paul receive? What changed in his life? Let's begin looking at that uh, down at verse seven. Paul says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. So what Paul says is this, all of those former things that I used to put my confidence in, all of those former things that I used to believe were important, all of those former things, you know, my religion, my good works, my ability uh, my, my human righteousness, my human goodness, my human, uh, good works, all of those things that I used to put my confidence in. He says, I count all of those things as lost. I count all of those things as animal waste. He, he goes on to say here as dung compared to what? To the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. You see, Paul gained something when he met Jesus Christ on the Damascus road. And one of the things that he gained was a new knowledge, not a human knowledge, not an intellectual knowledge, not an earthly knowledge of something else here in this world that, that he had learned, but he gained a new knowledge of Jesus Christ. Christ. And my friends, when we come to Christ 
and we humble ourselves before him and we put our faith in him and we open the word of God and we read what it says there and we see that we're all sinners that are separated from God and that we're without hope and that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. And when we believe that and when we believe the Bible, when it says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son and we believe that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth and he wrapped himself in flesh and he was born of a virgin. And we believe the Bible when it tells us that Jesus lived his life on this earth and he lived without sin and he was perfect in every way, a lamb without blemish. And we believe that he went to the cross 2,000 years ago and he sacrificed his life. He gave his body as a substitutionary atonement for our sin. And we believe that he hung there and he shed his perfect blood for you and for me and for your sin and my sin. And we believe that Jesus died for us, but we believe that he did not stay dead. But just as the word of God proclaims that he rose again on the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And we believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that he's the only savior, that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. When we put our faith in Christ, when we believe in him and we surrender our life to him, we receive a new knowledge, a knowledge that's greater than all of our former knowledge, a knowledge that's greater than all of our former intellect, a knowledge that's greater than all of our former religion and dead works and traditions and all of the things that we've ever known or believed or done. When we come to Christ, we receive a new knowledge, and it's a knowledge of what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, before Paul was saved, he was very religious. You would have been hard-pressed to find another person on the face of this earth at the time Paul was living that was more religious than Paul was, that was more dedicated to keeping the traditions of his church and the traditions of his religion that was more dedicated to following the laws and the, and the requirements uh, of society and of his religion. And yet, despite the fact that Paul knew about all of those things, he had vast human knowledge, vast human intellect, vast human ability. Despite that, he did not know the most important thing that a human being can ever come to know. And that is, he did not know that he could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. And my friends, I'm here to tell you today, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much education you get. I don't care how many degrees you receive. You can receive so many diplomas. You can receive so many degrees that when people look at your name with all of those titles and degrees behind it, you look like a thermometer. You can become one of the most educated people that has ever walked on the face of this planet. You might be a genius by the estimation of those in academia here on this earth. But if you never come to a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then you have lived on this earth without learning and without knowing the most important thing that a person can ever come to know. Because my friends, what we need to know is this, that there is a God and we are not him, that we 
are the created and he is the creator, that we are finite and he is infinite, that we are sinful and he is holy, that we are lost and he is the savior, that we have no hope outside of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. My friends, when we meet Jesus Christ and when we surrender our life to him and when we ask for his forgiveness and when we repent of our sin and put our faith in Christ and in Christ alone, a new knowledge of Jesus Christ comes into our life. And we're going to be just like Paul. We're going to be just like him. We're going to look back and we're going to say, goodness, all of those things that I used to trust in, all of those things that I used to think were important, all of those things that I used to value, all of those things that I used to do that I thought were amounting to something, we're going to see, just like the Apostle Paul, that all of that former knowledge, all of those former things that we were trusting in prior to coming to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, that those things were like nothing compared to the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And my friend, that's the thing that I pray that you would gain today. I pray that you would gain the same knowledge that the Apostle Paul gained, and that was the knowledge of what it is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I did that when I was 17 years old. Up until I was 17 years old, I had lived in the flesh. I had lived according to the traditions of my religion. I had lived according to the expectations of my family. I had lived according to the dictates of society. I had lived according to the flesh up until the time I was 17 years old. And when I was 17 years old, I heard a man preach the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And I came to understand that I was a sinner that was in need of a Savior. And I humbled myself and I put my faith in Christ and in Christ alone. I didn't put my faith in a religion or in dead traditions of men or even in my own good works, but I put my faith in Christ and in what he did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago when he sacrificed his body and shed his blood for my sins. And my friend, I came to a knowledge, the greatest knowledge that I have ever received, and that was the knowledge of what it was to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to have a knowledge that he is my heavenly father and that I am his child and that I have entered into his family and that I can walk through this life in relationship to Jesus Christ. Paul said all of the former things that I used to trust in are like nothing compared to the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. What else did he gain? He says in verse 9, and be found in him, be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You see, before Paul was saved, he had a form of righteousness. Uh, I mean, there were times when he did good works. There were times when he uh, carried out the the laws and the expectations of society and of his religion uh, and so Paul had a form of righteousness. I mean, he did do some good works. He did do some some uh, good things as far as society was concerned. And so he did have a level of human righteousness, of human goodness. But what Paul says here in this passage is 
He said, when I met Christ, when I came to know Jesus Christ, he said, I no longer wanted to be found, verse 9, having my own righteousness. I no longer wanted to be found. I no longer wanted to stand in my own righteousness, which comes from the law, which comes from keeping the traditions of my dead religion, which comes from keeping the traditions of men, which comes from doing good works in my own flesh. He said, I no longer wanted to have a righteousness of my own that comes from doing things in the flesh. I no longer wanted to stand before God in judgment one day and the only thing that I would have to show him is the righteousness that I had acquired in my own strength and in my own flesh. But he said, I wanted a different kind of righteousness. He says in verse nine, but that righteousness, which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Paul said, when I met Jesus Christ, not only did I gain a new knowledge, but I gained a new righteousness. Paul said, if you would have come to me before I met Jesus Christ, before I was saved, and you would have said, Paul, are you a good person? He said, I would have said, I'm the best person. You can't find anybody better than I am. You can't find anybody more faithful than I am. You can't find anybody that keeps the laws and the traditions and the religion more than I do. Paul said, I would have pointed out to you my human righteousness and what a good person that I was. He said, but you know, after I met Jesus Christ and I received the righteousness that comes through putting faith in Jesus Christ, when I received the righteousness from God, when, when I put my faith in Christ and God gave me his righteousness, he clothed me in the holy righteousness of Jesus Christ. He said, I no longer wanted to be associated with that past human righteousness that comes from the things that I do in the flesh. I no longer wanted to, to stand in that human righteousness before God on judgment day. He said, but I only wanted the righteousness that comes from God himself, the righteousness that comes through faith when we are saved uh, and, and we're born again through the spirit of God. My friends, let me ask you, what kind of righteousness do you have today? Do you have the righteousness like Paul had before he was saved, a human righteousness that comes from uh, obeying the laws to the best of your ability, to, to following the dictates of your conscience and, and trying to do uh, good works when you can and, and trying to be a good person as much as it's possible in the flesh? I mean, is that the righteousness that you have? If you died right this minute and stood before God in judgment, is the only righteousness that you could point to is a righteousness that you had created with your own strength and your own ability? If that's true, my friend, then you're, you're in a difficult situation. Because no matter how good you think you are, and no matter how many good things you think you've done, and no matter how much human righteousness you have accumulated in your life, I'm telling you, when we stand before God on judgment day, there is not a person that has ever lived in the flesh. There's not a person that has ever accumulated enough human righteousness to stand before God on judgment day and be uh, brought into the family of God and be brought into heaven. The only righteousness that's going to matter when we stand before God on judgment day 
is the righteousness that comes from God himself as a person puts faith in Jesus Christ. The kind of righteousness that Paul talks about here in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, that righteousness that comes through faith. You see, the moment that I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I was declared righteous by God. I was made righteous by God. I was clothed with the righteousness and the perfection and the holiness and the cleansing of Jesus Christ. And so today, I do not stand in my own strength. I do not stand pointing to the human righteousness that comes from the good works that I've done in the flesh. But I stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. And that righteousness has been given to me. That righteousness has been put on me. I have been clothed with that righteousness, just as the Apostle Paul was, for one reason only, and that is that I have put my faith in Christ and in Christ alone for salvation. But not only did Paul receive a new knowledge when he met Jesus Christ, and not only did he receive a new righteousness, but notice he received a new power. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said that I may know him, that is Christ, and the power of his resurrection. So Paul says, not only did I gain a new knowledge when I met Christ, not only did I gain a new righteousness, he said, but I gained a new power. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. You know, before Paul was saved, he knew something of power. I mean, Paul was a Roman citizen. And the Romans were the most powerful, influential people uh, in the world at that time. And to be a Roman citizen came with great privilege uh, because Rome was a very powerful uh, society. And those that were Roman citizens had power and privilege and prestige that people from every other walk of life did not have. And so Paul knew something about power. He knew something about the power of the Roman army. He knew something about uh, the power that came from being a Roman citizen and, and the prestige that came from being a Roman citizen. But here's the thing. Even though he knew something about power, he did not know God's power. It was only when he met Jesus Christ, it was only when he put his faith in Jesus Christ and confessed and repented of his sins and was born again into the family of God and became a child of God that Paul gained a power that was greater than any earthly power. You see, people today, lost people, they think that they know something about power. Uh, they think that uh, they can get a position of power, that they can uh, rise in society and, and uh, do different things and, and get a job or get a, get a title or get a position that will give them power over other people. Um, we look at, at uh, evil men around the world that, that will do anything to, to gain power, power over uh, people, power over society, power over the world. And they think that, that because they have destructive power, because they have armies, because they have weapons, maybe because they have uh, even nuclear weapons, some of these uh, evil dictators, they think that because they're their countries have these armies and these weapons and, and these nuclear power. They think that they know something about what it means to be powerful. But my friends, the greatest earthly power, the greatest power that you will ever find on this earth is a power 
that will never be greater than just the power to take life. Any power that comes from something on this earth, the greatest power that you can find on this earth is simply the power to destroy, the power to kill, the power to take life. And it doesn't really take, at the end of the day, it doesn't take some super uh, large nuclear bomb that has uh, more power than we can even fathom in our mind. Uh, I mean, literally, they're, they're single nuclear weapons today, singular nuclear weapons that have more power than all of the bombs that were dropped throughout all of World War II. Just one nuclear bomb, more power than all of those bombs put together. And because we, we know of power like that, sometimes we get to the impression that we know about power. But my friends, the greatest power in the world, the greatest power in the universe, the greatest power in existence today is not human power that has the power to take life. The greatest power available to us today is the power of God, because only God has the power to give life. Humans only have the power to take life, but God has the power to give life. Human beings do not have the power to create life. Human beings do not have the power to sustain life once life has come to an end. Human beings do not have the power to give life. They on, we only have the power to take life. But what Paul came to understand after he received Jesus Christ, he said, I gained a new power. And that new power that I gained was greater than any other power available to me on this earth. It was greater than any other power that I had ever known about. He said, when I met Jesus Christ as my Savior, I gained a power that literally has the ability to raise the dead. Just like God had the power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible says that every person that puts their faith in Christ, that though they die, one day there's going to be a resurrection from the dead. Every Christian that's been put in the grave, one day, just as Jesus Christ powerfully came out of that grave in a bodily resurrection and ascended into heaven with a glorified body, every person that puts their faith in Christ and is born again of the Spirit of God, though they physically die and their body is put in the ground, there's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to return and he has the power. He has given those of us that have put our faith in him and trusted him as Savior and Lord. He's given us the power not only to be called the children of God, but he's given us the power of the resurrection, Paul says. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. And indeed, Paul did know Christ and the power of the resurrection. And those of us that have been saved through Christ, we know power. We know the power of the resurrection that's going to come one day, that's going to raise us to a new life, to an eternal life in heaven. But not only did Paul gain a new knowledge and a new righteousness and a new power, but we see that Paul also gained a new perspective. He says in verse 10, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Um, before we are saved, before we know Jesus Christ as Savior, our perspective on life 
is limited. Our perspective is simply from an earthly, human, fleshly, sinful uh, perspective. Uh, we think that what we see is all that there is. We think that uh, what we do is good enough. We think that we can accomplish uh, whatever needs to be accomplished in our own ability, in our own flesh, uh, with our own intellect, with our own resources. We think that we are self-sufficient. We think that we can do all things. We think that we don't need Jesus, that we don't need a Savior, that we don't need forgiveness, that we don't need the church of Christ, that we don't need the Word of God. We, we think that we are self-sufficient before we come to be saved, before we come to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And our perspective is uh, that it is a simply human and earthly and fleshly perspective where my life is about me, it's about the flesh, it's about my human desires, it's about my uh, human wants, uh, it's about my human happiness. Uh, life is all about me, it's all about what I want, it's all about me getting more. Uh, before I know Jesus Christ as Savior, that's my perspective on life. Uh, me doing what I want, when I want, how I want, and, and, and everything that I do, whether it's education or job or whatever, everything is about me, uh, getting the things that I want and doing the things that I want to do and, uh, grabbing as much gusto, we might say, as we can grab and as much happiness and, uh, sucking the marrow out of life. That's the perspective of the lost person. But what was Paul's perspective once he was saved? He says, that I may know Christ and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. You see, after Paul was saved, his perspective changed. His, his perspective about life was no longer that it was about him and what he wanted and about earthly things and about material things and about fleshly things. All of a sudden, when he met Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the perspective changed. And now Paul's perspective was life is about Christ. Life is about knowing Christ. Life is about obeying Christ. Life is about living our life that we might bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Life is about doing the will of God. Life is about helping other people to come to know Christ. You see, he said, I I uh, want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. He said, you know, I, life for me is no longer just about uh, being happy and getting what I want and, and having pleasure in the flesh. He said, matter of fact, I'm more than willing to suffer. I'm more than willing to die. I'm more than willing to, to give up whatever needs to be give up and to sacrifice whatever needs to sacrifice. And I'm willing for whatever is in my life that needs to die. I'm willing for it to die because now my perspective has totally changed. Life is no longer about me and my flesh and my desires but now my life is about Christ and his will and following him and living for him and worshiping him and glorifying and honoring him with my life. His total perspective on life, his total perspective on what life was about and what was important in life had radically changed. It went from being about Paul and his flesh and his needs and his desires to being totally about Jesus Christ. 
And, and indeed, Paul did. He suffered greatly for Christ and ultimately gave his life for the cause of Christ. Why was he willing to do that? Because Paul had come to understand when he met Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord that life was not about the flesh. Life was not about the temporal things of this world, but life was about something eternal. Life was about Jesus Christ and knowing him and living for him here on this earth. My friend, what's your life about? What are you living for? Are you living for yourself? Are you living for a a job? Are you living for more money? Are you living for a better retirement? Are you living for a bigger house, for a nicer car to drive? Are you living for physical pleasure? Are you living for physical relationships? My friend, are you living for the things of this world? If you are, then you're living for what a lost person lives for. You're living for what a person lives for that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Because once you know Jesus Christ, you're going to realize that you've been living for the wrong thing. And you're going to want to be like Paul. You're going to want to live for the gospel. You're going to want to live for the cause of Jesus Christ and for the kingdom of God. And that's why the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, seek not the things of this world, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. But you see what most people are doing, they're seeking the things of this world first and primarily, and they're not seeking Jesus at all, or either they're seeking him as a secondary thing. But when we're saved, when we truly come to Jesus Christ and put our faith in him, we're going to realize that this life is not about the temporal things of this earth, but it's about the eternal things of Jesus Christ. So not only did Paul gain a new knowledge and a new righteousness and a new power and a new perspective on life, but I finally see that he gained a new humility. Verse 12 says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press forward toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said, as a Christian, I do not consider that I have arrived. I do not consider that I'm perfect. I do not consider that I have already attained uh, this this high level or, or attained everything that I need to attain. He says, in fact, I realize that I've not already attained. I realize that I'm not already perfect. I realize that I've not already apprehended. Paul had a humility about him. Now, before he was saved, he didn't have humility at all. If you would have met Paul before he met Jesus Christ, if you would have met Paul before he was saved, the last word that you would have used to describe him would have been humble. Because Paul would have walked up to you, or if you would have walked up to him, he would have been one of the most cocky and arrogant and proud people on the face of this earth. He would have thought he was perfect. He would have thought he had it all together. He would have thought there was nobody as good as him. He would have thought he was above and beyond everyone else. You see, before he met Jesus Christ, there would have been hardly anybody that you could have met that would have shown more pride and arrogance than the Apostle Paul. And yet after he met Jesus Christ, 
we see him writing these words. I do not consider myself to have attained. I do not consider myself to be perfect, but I'm striving. I'm striving to attain uh, that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul said after he was saved, he said, we're all sinners. Paul said, we're all sinners. And then he said, and I am the chief of all sinners. That's a man who who was humbled by his relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a man who was no longer walking around in pride and arrogance, uh, thinking to himself, I'm a good person, and if there is a God, and if I stand before him in judgment, and if he weighs my good and my bad, uh, he's certainly going to see that I've been a good person. No, he was no longer thinking like that at all. Paul had lost all of his pride. He had lost all of his arrogance because when he met Jesus Christ, he not only saw Jesus for who he is, and that is the perfect Savior of God, but he saw himself for who he is, and that is he was a sinner that was without hope except Jesus Christ. You see, my friends, today, the way the world thinks, the world thinks, oh, bad people are in hell and good people are in heaven. Sinners are in hell, and uh, those that that did not sin very much there in heaven. But my friend, that's not the way it is at all. What the Bible teaches us is this. The Bible teaches us that hell is full of sinners, and it teaches us that heaven is full of sinners. The only difference between the sinners that are in hell and the sinners that are in heaven is this. The sinners that are in heaven have been forgiven. The sinners that are in heaven came to a point in their life like Paul did on the Damascus Road when they realized that they were sinners and they realized that they had sinned against God and they realized that the best that they had to offer was like filthy rags before a righteous God. And they came to a point in their life where they were willing to humble themselves and confess their sin and turn away from their sin and turn to Christ and to Christ alone as their only Savior and as their only hope here in this life and the life to come. My friends, where are you at today? If if I came up to you where you are today and, and nobody else was around, it was just you and it was me, and I asked you this question, I said, are you a good person? What would you say? Would you say what the Apostle Paul said before he got saved? Would you say, I sure am a good person? I mean, I'm not a perfect person, but I'm a good person. Would you have a, a a spirit about you that had confidence in the flesh that was really a proud and arrogant spirit that, that really felt like you didn't need Christ, you didn't need forgiveness, you didn't need salvation, you don't need the church, you don't need the Word of God, you're above those things? Would that be your real attitude? Then, my friends, you don't know Jesus Christ. Because the only way we can come to Christ is through humility. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but that he gives grace to the humble. The Apostle Paul was a totally different person once he met Jesus Christ. He gained a new knowledge. He gained a new righteousness. He gained a new power. He gained a new perspective on life. And he gained a new humility. And my friends, I pray today that if you've never humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God, if you've never recognized and realized and admitted that you're a sinner 
that is completely helpless without salvation and without Jesus Christ, then my friends, I pray today right where you are, I pray that the word of God would speak to your heart. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would enlighten you, would would shine the light of the true gospel of Jesus Christ into your life. And I pray that you would see Jesus for who he is. And I pray that you would see yourself for who you are. And my friends, I pray that you would humble yourself. Even right where you are today, I pray that you would humble yourself and that you would confess your sin and that with God's help that you would repent, that you would turn away from your sin and that you would turn to the only Savior that there is. And that's Jesus Christ that died for you on the cross. And my friend, I pray that you'd put your faith in him and in him alone and that you would allow him to forgive you and cleanse you and bring you into his family so that you might be given the power and the right to be called a child of God. And then, my friends, we can walk through this life, not with cocky arrogance in the flesh, but we can walk through this life with true humility, realizing that I am a sinner, but thank God I'm a sinner that's been saved by grace. My friend, will you trust him today? Will you humble yourself today and put your faith in the only one that can save you, that's Jesus Christ. My friend, if you'll do that, he'll give you a new knowledge of himself, a personal knowledge, not of a dead religion, but what it means to be a child of God. He'll give you a new righteousness, not that comes from the works of the flesh, but that comes from God himself through faith. He'll give you a new power, not a human power, that just has the ability to hurt and to harm and to kill. But he'll give you the power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. My friends, he'll give you that power, and one day it will raise you from the dead so that you can spend eternity with him. My friends, he'll give you a new perspective on life. No longer will you think life is about uh, the material things of this world. No longer will you think life's about the sinful and mundane things of this world. No longer will you think life is about you, but you'll come to understand that life is about Jesus and it's about eternity. And my friends, he'll, he'll change you. He'll make you humble. He'll take away that pride and arrogant spirit that's in you. And he'll give you a humility, a humility that can receive Christ and a humility that can walk with Christ and live for Christ and that can bring glory and honor to Christ here on this earth. My friend, I'm praying for you today. I'm praying that you would turn to the only one that can bring salvation to your soul, and that's Jesus Christ. It is our prayer that you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and that he gives you a right perspective for your life. You've been listening to Save to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall, and his message today was entitled, A Right Perspective. If you'd like to get a CD copy for yourself to listen to again or to give to a friend, please contact us and let us know. There are three ways to get in touch with us. First, you can visit our website uttermostevangelism.org. While you're there, you can listen to past sermons, read our latest newsletter, and simply find out what we're all about, uttermostevangelism.org. Or you can write us as well. Our mailing address is Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. 
That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or you can call us. Our phone number is 662-372-1912. That's 662-372-1912. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost program are made possible by the prayers and generous gifts of people just like you. It would not be possible to have a worldwide evangelistic ministry without that support. Brian Tyndall is a full-time missionary evangelist bringing the light of the gospel to those in spiritual darkness. Would you prayerfully consider standing with us? You can send a tax-deductible donation to Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863, or give online at uttermostevangelism.org. Thanks in advance for your support. And thanks for listening today. Join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.